0: Block Talk Radio. Hello everyone and welcome to the Pickskin Pundits on this Wednesday, January 18, 2017 championship game edition on Block Talk Radio. I am Mark Ferraro, pleased to be joined as always by my good buddy Thomas Murphy, the Murph Dog himself. What's up, man? We're down to only four teams, Tom.
1: Oh yes, the final four. It's uh, season goes by quickly. It's uh, this one especially, but uh, yeah, have some really good, uh, really good matchups this weekend, and uh, yeah, I think we're in for a real treat.
0: Uh, we definitely are, man. And you know what? Let's get right into it. I'll set up for you. The first game in the NFC begins at three o'clock on Fox between the Packers and the Falcons. Obviously, both teams very explosive on offense. Should be high-scoring. Tom, the floor is yours, my friend. You could go first. Who? Which team will represent the NFC in this year's Super Bowl?
1: Man, well, uh, this is this was a tough one. Actually, both these games are pretty tough. Uh, I mean, we were talking before the show about how Atlanta just really put on a show, an offensive clinic against uh, the Seahawks this weekend. It was the one game that we both had wrong. Uh, you're your record actually this uh postseason is pretty good but that's the only one you've had wrong so far uh and i think most people picked the seahawks but uh, just in the fashion atlanta was able to beat uh seattle too just uh offense 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 and the defense was able to step up uh step up as well uh and green bay how about what can you say about aaron rodgers just getting it done again uh coming up with the clutch throws absolutely when they need them uh but, man, I think this one's going to be really good. I could see this one really going either way, especially with Atlanta having the home field advantage. But uh, I don't know. So far this playoff, it just seems like I would be a fool to go against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it just looks like his year. It looks like his postseason. And so give me the Green Bay Packers to win, 30-24. to
0: 24. Yeah, Tom, I want to first focus on the Packers' victory. Over the Cowboys, and you mentioned it, the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, 35 seconds was too much for him at the end of the game that the Cowboys left on the clock because he marched down the field. And how can you not talk about that great catch, Tom, by a guy whose stock is rising and a guy who will be a free agent after this year, and that's their tight end, Jared Cook.
1: Oh, yeah, he'll definitely be uh, getting a... uh getting a nice sized contract. He's one of those uh one of those players who's definitely had some moments but has definitely had some real uh real uh, down spots uh you know a couple of years ago in infam- infamously pushing his own quarterback on the sidelines there in St. Louis uh you know and even earlier in the game he had a there was a throw to him that just hit him square in the helmet it almost looked like a uh it looked like a headline from a blooper reel, but he was able to make up for it. That catch was just absolutely beautiful, just dragging his feet, uh, you know, and absolutely in the most clutch time, setting up that long field goal. And, uh, yeah, just kind of the magic of the Packers just keeps on continuing.
0: Yeah, and for the Falcons, listen, you mentioned it. Very impressive victory. That was the only game that I have gotten wrong so far in this postseason. But Matty Ice <laughs> has played just as good – as Aaron Rodgers, Tom. The guy had three touchdowns against that Seattle defense. He spread the ball around. Everyone got involved, Tom. The two running backs, Freeman and Coleman, Sanu and Jones, Gabriel, their wide receiver. So the Falcons' offense is going to match the Packers to me. It's going to be that high scoring. It's going to be that good. And even we talked about this on the show last week, Tom. My X-Factor was the entire unit of that Falcons' defense And for the most part, Tom, they showed up. Two interceptions, three sacks, 19 hurries, and including one safety.
1: Oh, yeah, they absolutely, uh, you know, just a couple years ago, Atlanta's defense was almost in the – almost in the depths of uh, New Orleans for being considered one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, they've taken some huge strides. You know They've really, really done themselves a favor in the draft the past few years under Quinn. Uh, Vic Beasley, You know, of course, leading the NFL in sacks, and also a guy I barely heard of uh, this season. It was a name that men- we mentioned before the show, uh, Rookie Rookie linebacker out of LSU, Deion Jones, a second round pick, uh, is actually a strong candidate for defensive rookie of the year. It looks like it's mostly probably gonna go to Bosa, but uh Deion Jones uh definitely contributing there in L- uh in Atlanta and definitely made a name for himself in that game. You've heard his seem to be hearing his name every other play uh on Saturday.
0: Yeah, the rookie linebacker out of LSU, one hundred and eight tackles as a rookie and three interceptions, so pretty impressive for the rookie linebacker Deion Jones. And, Tom, these two teams actually played each other back in week number eight, and, of course, that game was high-scoring. The Falcons won in Atlanta 33-32 over the Packers, but a couple of of key players did not even play in that game. First for the Falcons, Kevin Coleman did not play at all, and for the Packers... No Randall Cobb, no Tom Montgomery. Both of those guys will be in action for the Packers on Sunday. And Jordy Nelson is pretty much a long shot. Don't expect him to play on Sunday. Now, if the Packers win and make the Super Bowl, chances increase that he could play because it's two weeks until the game instead of one. But, Tom, I do agree with you on rolling with the Packers. It should be high-scoring, like we mentioned so many times already. But because we say that, it's going to be 13-10. No, but this game will be in the high 30s. I'm going to go with the Packers, sim- almost a similar score than New Tom, 32-28 over the Falcons.
1: I mean, it sounds good. It definitely seems like it's going to be in that realm. And, uh, you know, I was – I won't lie, I was very tempted to pick Atlanta. You know, they uh, – you know they just uh, were absolutely clicking on all cylinders on Saturday the thing is uh i just i think the the x factor here for me is just uh the magic of Rodgers so far this postseason. it just seems it almost seems like destiny that they're going to go to the super bowl and uh won't go that far yet but i think they're going to be they could be very successful in the super bowl uh i mean i think that's just uh that's the that's the main reason that's putting me putting uh the packers over the falcons for me at this point
0: yeah, and Tom, you know, I'm going to say for my X factor is a guy who I mentioned did not play in their first meeting back in week eight in late October, and that was Ty Montgomery because I'll tell you something, Tom. Every time you, got, you watch this guy on the field, and think about it, before the season and early part of this year, he was a wide receiver, but because of injuries and this and that, not good play from the running back position, they shifted Ty Montgomery to a running back, and Tom, every time we see this guy on the field, he's been pretty good.
1: Yeah, no, he absolutely has, you know, is uh you know, definitely uh I mean considering the switch from wide receiver to running back, you know, he's definitely adjusted pretty well. Uh it seems like in a lot of the games so far this season he kinda of struggles a little bit like right off the bat, but then only seems to get his footing later on, which is uh which is great. I mean I mean it seems like Aaron Rodgers is able to do it all, but if they can get that running game going, it's definitely a big boost.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk about the Cowboys for one second, Tom, because, listen, they were down 28-13 to 13 entering the fourth quarter, but that offense came alive in the last quarter, you know, scoring those two touchdowns and a two-point conversion to tie the game at 31. So, I mean, listen, Prescott, Elliott, Des Bryant, those guys showed up. You can't blame them. Listen, I know the Cowboys over the years have had – bad postseason experience and losing games left and right but Tom you only have to lift their you know lift their tip their cap to these guys because they came to play. These guys stepped up but unfortunately for them and Rodgers, lately has been just too much.
1: Oh yeah, no absolutely uh but man I gotta uh another name uh it was on the uh Cowboys defense that really uh was just all over the place, was Jeff Heath, the guy I barely ever even heard of. But, uh, man, he put, his name, uh, he put his name in the national spotlight in a big way uh, on Sunday afternoon. He just had a magnificent game, really came up with some big plays. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I won't be expecting too much of a slump from Dallas next year. I imagine they'll be right in the thick of everything.
0: And think about this for one second. The Packers-Cowboys game, Tom, was the most watched Divisional round game in 20 years.
1: Wow, that's pretty incredible. I got to think uh, it probably was another Cowboys game that uh, it was 20 years ago. Probably was that uh, and was that uh, was that Dallas Green Bay by chance?
0: I think it was up there. I'm not sure if that was the leading one before this one, but Tom, I was pretty shocked that this game. I know it was high scoring and everything, but this game was the most watched in 20 years. Pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, no, it is. I actually think um, because 20 years ago would have been the year where Packers and New England went to the uh, went to the Super Bowl, and I think in a divisional round game the Packers did uh, beat the Cowboys and the Packers went on to uh, beat the Panthers in the NFC championship, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to put my money that it may have been the same exact teams because uh, there are definitely two teams that will draw a huge, uh, a huge crowd nationally to the television screen.
0: Again, you're listening to the Pigskin Pundits on Blog Talk Radio. I am Mark Carrero, He's Thomas Murphy. And now we're going to shift to the later game on Sunday at 6.40 between the Patriots and the Steelers for the AFC Championship. And, Tom, I'll go first with this one. And first for Pittsburgh, they get the victory over the Chiefs on Sunday night. Let's not forget the the game was changed from 1 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Didn't matter. They beat the Chiefs 18-16 behind six field goals from the leg of Chris Boswell, who sends Pittsburgh to the AFC Championship game in Foxborough, and, you know, all those guys, you know, Big Ben, Bell, Brown, you know, they had, you know, and especially Brown and Bell, they did their thing, but they didn't score a single touchdown in this game, and Antonio Brown only had one catch in the second half, but it was a big one because it sealed the victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then you have the whole controversy after the game, Antonio Brown streaming the speech by head coach Mike Tomlin on Facebook Live, and Mike Tomlin using some choice words about the Patriots. I don't blame Mike Tomlin here at all. It's Antonio Brown. You have to be smarter than that. Now, I know he did apologize, and he was in the moment and everything, but you don't want to be streaming a head coach's speech, especially on Facebook Live where everyone can see it. So that's a no-no from Antonio Brown. And for the Patriots, Tom, listen, in that first half, they didn't play that great. I mean, the Texans had that great defensive stand at the end of the first half. They were only up by one, 14, 13, but bang, just like that, the game turned around. Osweiler threw three interceptions. By the way, all those interceptions that were thrown to a Patriots defensive back, all of them went to the University of Rutgers, by the way. But their offense, <laughs> you know, L- 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 Blunt um Lagara L- blunt came alive. Brady did his thing in the second half, and the Patriots won. So now it's set up. Patriots. Against the Steelers and Tom, I'm going to go with the Patriots. They were my preseason pick. I'm going to stick with them to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl and play the Packers. So give me New England to win 27-20 over Pittsburgh.
1: Uh, yeah, you know this is uh, this is definitely a tough one uh, uh, to pick too. I mean, Berg's uh, offense. I mean, I could they can really compete with anybody in the entire NFL. They can just be so explosive. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Even that game, just uh, just running all over the Chiefs' defense. He's really he's really as much as I don't care for the Steelers, he's absolutely amazing to watch. Uh, the way he just stops there, surveys the field, and then just boom, just uh, finds his hole and really attacks it. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, neither both while both of these teams escaped with the victory. Uh, definitely, both teams need to need to improve uh, drastically when they face each other. Uh, there's no way this the Steelers are going to be able to win this game on six field goals uh, as they mm. did last week against the Chiefs. So, um, But one thing that was extremely, extremely impressive, impressive, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, was the play by the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Uh, mm. They've been, I mean, they've been, uh, you know, past few years, not the same Steelers defense we've been accustomed to uh, throughout the history of the Steelers, but man, they were just uh They were just on point this past weekend. James Harrison, guy's older than me, Mm -hmm. and he looks like he's he's playing like a 26-year-old out there, uh, Mm -hmm. playing about as good football as he ever has. I expect him to come. I don't think he's going to slouch next week. I think he might even come even harder. Uh, My God, this guy, at 4 a.m. after that game, you'd think while most Steelers were probably out celebrating going to the AFC Championship, where was James Harrison? He was back in the locker room for a 4 a.m. workout. I mean, this guy just never – Guy just never stops, and uh, but yeah, this game it's uh, it's going to be tough in New England, and you know, man, Brady and Belichick they can always get it done. Uh, I think I think the uh, overall the Steelers have way more weapons, uh, except except a coach and quarterback. You know, can never go against Brady and uh, Belichick, but you know what? I am going to. Did you you didn't expect me to pick the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl, did you really uh, oh, no I think it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a tough one. I almost picked New England because you know it seems like you know it, it just seems really hard to go against them, but I think Pittsburgh can get it done. I think they're gonna play much better than they did against They will score some more touchdowns and uh it's gonna be close and it's gonna be a good one uh but give me Pittsburgh to win twenty seven to twenty four
0: And, Tom, let's not forget, and listen, these two teams played each other back in week number seven, and the Patriots did win that game 27-16, but Big Ben was not the quarterback in that game for Pittsburgh. It was Landry Jones. And to me, Tom, that's a big, big deal.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's a completely different game. Uh, And also, I mean, I was actually surprised in that week seven matchup that uh, Landry Jones was actually able to – was actually able to compete with um, the Patriots to an extent. Uh, really was able to keep them in there. I thought that game was going to be a laugher. But, yeah, absolute different story here with Big Ben. Uh, if, him and, uh, if him and Antonio Brown can connect, uh, you know, it could be a long day for the Patriots' defense. Mm-hmm. And not only with Antonio Brown, you always expect him to be great, but how about the game that uh, tight end Jesse James had mm-hmm. on uh, – on a Sunday night really came through with some big catches and uh yeah he uh definitely emerging uh as a big time tight end in the NFL may actually see him uh drafted in uh maybe the first uh you know, let's say first 10 11 rounds of the uh fantasy draft uh you know coming up in uh in a few months for the 2017 season maybe getting ahead of myself but uh yeah he definitely uh he's definitely uh Really making a name for himself, and you know, I I think uh, Big Ben will have his his eyes on him uh, for a few plays this game.
0: Wow, Tom, just wow! Great minds think alike, because you know what? You know who I have listed as my X factor in this game? Want to guess Jesse um, James.
1: Good. Jesse James, that's a good uh, that's a good uh, good guess there. Yeah, I think we were definitely telepathic there.
0: Yeah, well, because, hey, listen, we know that Antonio Brown is going to put up great numbers, but Pittsburgh needs that second option. And if you look at that game between the Texans and the Patriots, now I know Fedorowicz, I believe he did have a big drop in that game, but he did have a, touch- he did have a touchdown reception against the Patriots. So I could easily, Tom, see Jesse James put up solid numbers against that Patriots defense.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, and uh, I mean, definitely, Osweiler relies on the on uh, Fedorowicz much more than uh, Roethlisberger would rely on James. But you know, when uh, and it actually may make it a better uh, better matchup uh, for James because he won't be relied on that much and probably targeted a little less than uh, Fedorowicz, Fedorowicz was.
0: And sticking with the Texans for one second, Tom, I was shocked. I could not believe how there were so many reports, even when the Texans made the playoffs and up until that Patriots game, that the Texans organization was actually thinking about firing Bill O'Brien, which to me makes no sense, especially with the quarterback play of someone like Brock Osweiler, who I believe he didn't even want, and that organization gave him that big-time contract for the Texans. Say what you want about that division. But they still made the playoffs and I couldn't believe all those talk all that talk Tom about the Texans possibly getting rid of their head coach.
1: Uh yeah. I mean defin the head coach definitely does not seem to be a problem, uh, with uh with the Texans. Uh I mean th- granted they are extremely lucky to for, in the division they play in, uh to be making the playoffs so many of these uh you know, past three or four years. But uh you know, I think it could be a very different story next year. I mean, you have some teams on the rise there, and I mean, with Osweiler there, uh, just I don't see I don't see that team improving proving much with Osweiler. They may, uh, you know, uh, definitely Tom Savage I think deserves a shot. Or, you know, if they plan on bringing in another uh, quarterback to compete, I don't. Like I said, I don't know who else is out there, and I doubt they're going to bring Hoyer back. But uh, yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm just curious what the Texans organization has. I think Bill O'Brien is probably the reason they've made the playoffs this year. Mm. You know, they were able to win a lot of close games and win those important uh, divisional games to uh, keep them afloat.
0: And, Tom, to me, that would have been the most interesting thing because let's say, for example, if the Texans got rid of Bill O'Brien, right? Right now, there's only, there's only one head coaching position available, and that's San Francisco. And from all reports, it seems like Kyle Shanahan, the Falcons' offensive coordinator, will accept that position. But if Bill O'Brien was available, that's the only spot that's that's out there in San Francisco. Everyone else hired their head coaches already. So with Bill O'Brien taking that job, would he have sit out a year or be someone's offensive coordinator? It would have been interesting, Tom, because that's one of the main things with all these teams. That have head coaching vacancies, they want to hire a guy right away. They don't want to wait. But that would have been interesting if Bill O'Brien was actually available and hit the market.
1: Yeah, that absolutely would have been because I'm sure he would have been uh, he would have been snatched up immediately. You know, uh, yeah, head co- head coaches with winning records usually don't sit around too long uh, waiting for uh, waiting for phone calls, and especially uh, the fact that he was able to bring a team with. Uh, you know, that limited amount of offensive talent. I won't talk about the defensive side of the ball, but uh, mm. you know, bring him to the playoffs two years in a row, and including getting a win this. I mean, granted, it was against uh, a very uh, a very hindered Ra- Raiders team, but yeah, um, I mean, but the fact remains, they got to the divisional round, and you know, only uh, only seven other teams can say that, so yeah, Bill O'Brien probably would have sat out a year and then would have been a prime candidate for a team uh, looking for a new head coach next year.
0: Yeah, and I forgot to mention this in the Pittsburgh Kansas City game and how Kansas City actually converted that two point conversion, Tom, to tie the game at 18, but there was a holding penalty on Eric Fisher. Second opportunity didn't work out. Pittsburgh got the victory, and a guy who did not, I mean, listen, the numbers were very good, but Travis Kelsey had a big drop in that game, Tom, and a personal foul penalty.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, it was. Uh, I mean, seriously, watching that game, I was thinking uh, Travis Kelsey could have played for the Bills. Uh, you know the way he, the way his game went. You know, had, had some really good numbers, especially in the first uh, first half slash first drive, uh, the the most successful drive for the Chiefs besides that last one. Uh, but uh, I mean, what was Travis Kelsey thinking? Pushing uh pushing Rusk uh Russ Cockrell like that. It was just it was so blatant, uh, at a at a very crucial time in the game and <clears throat> I'm just uh curious how he thought he was gonna get away with that. Um very, very dumb move. And then after the game, blaming the refs for uh game was just absolutely ridiculous and saying about that holding call. I mean I was rooting for the Chiefs this game. And that was about as clear a case of holding as I had ever seen. And I actually don't even blame Eric Fisher for doing that, because I think he had to. James Harrison was just about to destroy Alex Smith if uh, Eric Fisher wasn't able to, uh, you know, get that arm on him and at least give them a chance to, uh, you know, James Harrison gets that sack. There's no even second chance from 12 yards. So, uh, yeah, they did what they had to do. And, I mean, I understand about being biased, but what – I'm just curious what Travis Kelsey saw in that play that wasn't holding. Uh, yeah, he needs to be asked that question. Uh, he needs to sit down and watch that, and somebody has to ask him how that wasn't holding,
0: because
1: I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, no, I don't either. And like I said, he had a nice game. If you look at the stats, but just so many questionable decisions. And you mentioned the post game and all of that. So Travis Kelsey can now, Travis Kelsey can now focus on his big-time reality show, Catching Kelsey, which I believe is on the E! Network. So we'll be focusing on that, of course, during the offseason and catching up with him. But, Tom, there were some actually, going back to now the Patriots game for a second, there were some interesting stats. And first of all, how about a guy who stepped up and came up big time? And that was a running back for the Patriots, Dion Lewis, who had 188 all-purpose yards. And now he becomes the third player in NFL history to have a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and a kick return touchdown in the same game. He joins a very short list. Someone else who did it this year, Tyreek Hill and Gale Sayers, a pretty incredible company there for Dion Lewis, who had a great game against the Texans. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. Uh I mean, despite the, he did have the one fumble uh, on the
1: kickoff right after the, uh, on the kickoff right after the uh, touchdown, uh, the touchdown kickoff uh, that he, that he had. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I mean, just absolutely great game. Uh, Steph's name was all over the place in the beginning of that game. Was, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely stepped up in a big way. And uh, yeah, he'll be somebody to uh, look out for in 2017.
0: A couple more interesting stats that I saw after the game. How about Tom Brady? Now has more postseason wins than 27 NFL franchises. That's number one. Number two, 14 out of the last 16 AFC championship games have featured the Patriots. The Steelers are both. The only two that did not back in 2002 when the Raiders played the Titans And then in 2009, when the Colts played the Jets. And one more for you, Tom. One more I got for you. How about Tom Brady and his numbers against the Steelers all time? 11 career games. His record is 9-2. 26 touchdowns. Only three interceptions. Wow. That
1: is... uh... That is pretty impressive, you know. I definitely, uh, I definitely did keep that in mind when making my prediction, and I think I kind of went more of a uh, fact that the Steelers might be due, uh, you know, uh, or who knows, you know. I do remember, I mean, going going back a ways, but to 2004. Uh, remember when uh, the the Steelers entered the playoffs at 15 and one? It was Big Ben's rookie year, and they actually played. They hosted New England in the uh, <clears> they <throat> hosted New England, I think, in the AFC, uh in the divisional round. Um yeah, they hosted them in the divisional round and man, uh the Patriots just absolutely put it to the Steelers, uh, beating them something like forty one to seventeen. It was a real uh it was a real rude awakening for Big Ben's uh, uh playoff career. But as we all know, Big Ben was able to come back the next year and actually win a Super Bowl.
0: So, yeah, he did. Now, I'm going back to that. Yeah, you mentioned the 2004, that was Big Ben's rookie year, and and the AFC uh, divisional game, they played actually the Jets in in the AFC, yeah, right, in the AFC divisional round, because that was the game where Doug Bryant missed that field goal. He missed two field goals, Tom, and the Jets would have to the AFC championship game.
1: Oh, that's right. So, uh the Patriots Steelers game was the AFC championship game that year.
0: That's uh that's okay. right. That's yep.
1: right. Okay, it was the year before. I was the year before it was the uh Patriots and Colts in the AFC championship. So I was thinking that okay. Now now I'm now I'm straight, you know. Uh, well, no, you know Tom I'm, I'm had to bring
0: that to... up. Tom had to bring that up to me about Doug Bryant. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Yes,
1: uh, yes, I wasn't even thinking of that, but yeah, no, of course uh <laughs> but hey, at least the, the Jets actually hey, at least the Jets actually have some uh you know, post postseason memories. This millennium, I don't even have that. I mean, I have to go. I have to go back to uh, nine head coaches ago um, in order for me to uh, in order for me to remember my uh, my last playoff glory.
0: Well, speaking of your Buffalo Bills, and before we get to that, I just want to wrap it up here. So, Tom and I both actually the first game we agree we both had the Packers, and then in game number two, Tom was wrong with the Steelers, and I had the Patriots making it to super bowl 51 and tom we'll go through some nfl news that came out between last wednesday and today and you mentioned last wednesday tom how your buffalo bills were going to name a head coach that came to fruition as they have hired former panthers defensive coordinator sean mcdermott
1: Ah, yes wow i guess that was just recently it seems like it's been uh seems like it's been forever but yeah no uh pretty uh you know pretty pretty satisfied with that hiring uh the guy comes with a lot a lot of praise and I think from a lot of head coaches that he's worked under uh I think a lot of these guys do but I think he he seems to be getting a lot more than uh than most and uh yeah seems like a a very far cry from Rex Ryan it's definitely uh he's definitely known for being a disciplinarian first but can but actually is known for having a pretty good rapport with his players but definitely, it's uh, yeah, definitely doesn't let them get away with too much, and uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty satisfied. I mean, considering who was on the market, it was a very uh, pretty wise hire. And uh, mainly, what I'm really interested to see is what he does with Tyrod Taylor. But mm-hmm. it could be it could be a month or two before we even figure that out.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt, and especially who is going to be your offensive coordinator? Because I think I read somewhere, Tom, that. Brad Childress might be a guy whose name gets uh, thrown out there. Ah, uh, yeah, actually, from what I from what I hear as of late,
1: the two two main candidates are Brad Childress and uh, Greg Olson the offensive coordinator of the Jaguars. Uh, so, obviously, I'm rooting for uh, Brad Childress, who was a former NFL head coach of uh, the Vikings. And speaking, actually, of uh, head coaches of the Vikings, uh, our defensive coordinator that we have, Sean McDermott, uh, brought in, was the another Viking, former Vikings head coach, none other than Leslie Frazier, the former defensive back for the Chicago Bears in the early 80s. Oh, I didn't
0: know that. So he's your defensive coordinator now.
1: Yeah, pretty impressive. So uh yeah, if uh, we end up getting Childress, uh you know, he's right now uh I'm feeling he's out of Kansas City cuz Kansas City is actually rolling with two offensive coordinators which sounds very very uh uh unnecessary to me. But yeah, if uh we do hire Childress, that means our both of our coordinators would be former Minnesota Vikings head coaches.
0: Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that about the uh, Steelers, or the uh, Chiefs' offensive coordinator, because his name is... They have two. You mentioned Brad Childress and Matt Nagy, who actually the, the Jets are trying to get as their offensive coordinator. I think they're interested in him, but the, the Chiefs could actually decline permission for the Jets to interview him like they did Joe DiFilippo, the offensive coordinator of the Eagles. So that's the interesting take there, how teams could block another team from interviewing him. So you mentioned the Chiefs, they have two guys. You mentioned Childress as a possibility for the Vikings or for your Bills, as as well as Leslie Frazier. And other news, Tom, how about the Denver Broncos hiring Vance Joseph to be their head coach, the former Miami defensive coordinator, and bringing back Mike McCoy to be their OC?
1: Uh, yeah, and I think we may have been talking about the last, uh, the last week that Mike McCoy may have been brought in. Uh, as the offensive coordinator for the Bills, but yeah, that absolutely did not happen. And Mike McCoy's back, uh, back OC in the uh, Broncos. But uh, yeah, very, um, I mean, very interesting, uh, you know, change of, uh, you know, change of the guard in uh, Denver. There, I mean, everybody's concerned about Gary Kubiak's health, but uh, yeah, and everyone wishes him well. But yeah, it's just amazing that a uh, you know coach won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, retire so abruptly. But, uh, yeah, wish uh, Vance Joseph the best and definitely the best to uh, Coach Kubiak.
0: And then their defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, went to the Rams to be with their new head coach, the youngest coach, I should say, NFL history, who right now is 30 years old but will turn 31 next week. And that's the former Redskins offensive coordinator, Sean McVay.
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. That made me feel old up until – up until that mm-hmm. moment there had not been a uh D, an uh, head n f l head coach older uh younger than me and what did they do they grabbed one almost seven years younger than me so that was just like wow i mean but of course I, as soon as i saw- i would never really heard of this guy McVeigh before but as soon as they showed his picture, i was wondering if he was uh if he was uh, being if he was being named the head coach of the l a rams or being named the newest backstreet boy i mean yeah he definitely mm-hmm. uh he definitely looks young, but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll have a, a very, very long career in the NFL.
0: Yeah, speaking of, the, uh, of L.A., how about who's going to join Sean McVay with the other team, the Los Angeles Chargers? Can't believe I'm saying that. No more San Diego Superchargers. And that is they hired the former Bills interim head coach and offensive coordinator, and they gave Anthony Lynn Tom a four-year deal to be the new head coach of the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Yeah, you know, definitely wish him
1: the best of luck and uh – yeah, I mean it was it almost looked inevitable that he was going to get hired by somebody. He was really he was pretty much hired. By, he was pretty much interviewed by I think four different teams, uh, or was in line to interview with four different teams before he took the job with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, that still that still doesn't sound right, and also it doesn't sound right to mm-hmm. Anthony Lynn because in his first you may have heard in his first press conference yesterday, what did he refer to his new team as? Of course, the San Diego Chargers.
0: Huh, huh. Oh, he did, huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: he did, but uh yeah, I wish him the best of luck there. Uh the Bills actually will be playing the uh, Los Angeles Chargers in LA at some point next season, so uh <clears throat> yeah, I'm hoping uh I'm hoping Anthony Lynn is not able to get his revenge in that game, but yeah, he was very he was very much high on a lot of people's uh a lot of people's lists, you know. I and mean, definitely the fact that the Bills fed the number one rushing offense two years and he was the running backs coach up until uh up until about week three this season. Uh, yeah, definitely he was he was on a lot of people's radars and who knows, maybe the maybe the Chargers got a legend uh this past week.
0: Now I'm pretty sure Tom that you saw the first logo that came out for the LA Rams for a minute. I thought it was the LA Dodgers. It looked pretty pretty similar but then they quickly changed it to make it more look like the San Diego Chargers with the powder blue and the yellow.
1: Yeah, that first uh, that first logo was um, it just seemed like it was so lazy as if there was some deadline that they had to fill and it was like we need a we you know we need a logo by 7 p.m. and it was 6:50, so they just took the L.A. Dodgers logo and just add added a little cheap bolt to it. But yeah, I think the new logo is definitely. Uh, Definitely a lot more fitting and kind of keeps the uh, the tradition alive. I mean, because you got to thank the San Diego Chargers that you know they've been a team in existence for so so many years. I think almost 50. So just be hard to abandon that logo completely. And, I, and from what I hear, their uniforms, you know, just like the you know the L.A. Rams uh, from there moved from St. Louis, are pretty much going to stay exactly the same.
0: And, Tom, I'm not sure if you had a chance to uh, look at this rumor that came out with the Indianapolis Colts, but there was a report that they tried to pair Peyton Manning with John Gruden because they were going to hope that John Gruden would be the head coach and get Peyton Manning involved in terms of being the head of football operations for the Colts. Now, obviously, that did not happen, but I thought that was very, very interesting for Jim Ursay there. Trying to make a mega team, I should say, with John Gruden and Peyton Manning. Yeah, I absolutely, I actually did not hear that rumor. That would have been
1: uh, that would have been extremely interesting to see if that went down. And uh, and yeah, what a big uh, you know what a what a big step for uh, Peyton Manning to uh, go. He's just one year removed from the NFL, just to go all the way to head of player operations. But uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much at this point, I think Peyton Manning will probably be able to get anything he wants.
0: But yeah, like John Gruden and Bill Cowher, we keep hearing these guys' names every single offseason. And when are people going to realize they're not going to come back? They like their roles. Bill Cowher on CBS, John Gruden on ESPN. Now, of course, that could always change with the dollar signs, but no. They're going to stick what they like doing, and that's analyzing the game and with Gruden in terms of doing the uh, commentary on Monday Night Football. Well, Tom, my man... Thank you, as always, for joining me on a program, going over the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. We do have one disagreement, which is very, very good, but we'll definitely keep in touch during the week and, of course, on Sunday with the games, okay? Absolutely, man. It's going to be a fun weekend,
1: and, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch.
0: Absolutely, man. Thank you once again. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your week and the championship games on Sunday, which again kicked off at 3 o'clock and 6.40. They should be good ones, let's hope. Not not for the rating standpoint, of course, but just a competitive game and close to something. Hey, if we get anything like we saw this past weekend, we're in for it. So just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark at Ferraro. Murphy's at Murphy TV. Thanks for listening to the program. You don't know how much we appreciate it every single week. And as always... Don't forget to tune in next to the Pigskin Funds with your hosts, Mark Ferraro and Thomas Murphy, only on Block Talk Radio.